You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. There's, there is no submission to the authority of the church. And how is there correction if there's no authority? Have you ever had somebody try to correct you and they had zero authority over you? It's like, who are you? What gives you the right to correct me? Well, in the church, God does have a plan on how things are to be operated. And with that, as a pastor, there are things that I am supposed to teach, preach, exhort, but there's also this area called rebuke. Rebuke. And when there is no relationship, then there is no reason or submission to that leadership. That's important for us to understand. I remember uh, my mom, um, she, she married uh, Pops when I was eight years old. He's not my bio, was not my biological dad, uh, but definitely over the years, he became uh, my dad. He was Pops. Uh, when I was 18, I took his name. I was adopted, uh, took his name. But when mom and dad first uh, got together, the first time he corrected me and went to spank me, I said, leave me alone. You're not my dad. There was a separation. Now, mom came around the corner, and I don't even know what happened after that. Uh, but I know that I never said that again. And, uh, but there was, in my mind, there was, well, you don't have any authority over me. You have no, you have no right to expect, to correct. Uh, and so then it, with that, it sort of gives you a freedom that I can do whatever I want to do without consequences. You know what? That's not God's plan. That's not part of God's plan. Uh, he identifies us at the church as a family. And everybody in the family has responsibility. Amen? Uh, everybody that, that lives in the household should be contributing uh, to the household to make sure that it, it operates. And uh, there shouldn't be freeloaders in the, uh, in the home. Uh, and everybody should contribute. Uh, and so I thought I would have gotten an amen on that. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, with that, uh, you know, we, we see in this uh, church uh, that there was some correction. ultimate correction. And it wasn't Peter's correction. It was gone. And when we look at the church, the church belongs to God. The Bible tells us that he purchased it with his own blood. Uh, this church, uh, I have been in the ministry long enough to where I've seen some churches uh, diminish in size, uh, even to the point where they were selling buildings. Uh, and I have seen where they have sold the buildings and just uh, distributed the money uh, out to whoever they decided to send the money to, and people walk away uh, with that. Uh, that's not supposed to happen. Number one, tax-wise, tax as a, as a nonprofit, 
all the resources should go to another nonprofit, like-minded ministry. Uh, but uh, sometimes people get a little bit uh, sideways on things. And so, uh, but, but uh, how did I get there? I have no idea. I have no idea how I hit that. Uh, but I have, I, have seen, I have seen churches diminish and get to a place where there, uh, there is nothing left. And you know, uh, that's, that's not what we want to see. Praise the Lord. Look around you this morning. I mean, here we've, we've, got, uh, we've got a blessed ministry, people that are here. Why? Because they want to serve the Lord. But we have to do things God's way and not our way. And here within the church, we see that uh, there is a, uh, there's an order that he has. And in the context of this passage, uh, we're dealing specifically with financial gifts and offerings to the Lord. But that's not really what I want to speak to on the subject this morning. Not that I won't speak on money, because I will. Uh, but uh, the reality is that uh, this, this uh, whole event teaches us some things as a church, that we should grab a hold of. This is a very stark um, uh, time of judgment in God's house. I mean, two people died. This isn't an allegory. This is an event that took place. And so here within this church body, there were some things that happened that God was not happy with. And since God was not happy with it, the preacher dealt with it, but it went beyond the preacher. It went directly that God gave out judgment. You know, we need to realize that we, we are accountable to God. If this type of response was going on today, I wonder how many of us would fall over dead. Let me tell you, it wouldn't take too many before people all of a sudden started cleaning their way up. It wouldn't take much before people started saying, uh-oh, I better shape up. Accountability. How many of you have a sibling? I have an older brother. And my brother, uh, I, would, I would watch him. Uh, mom was one that you did not backtalk to. And if you backtalked, you got backhanded. And I don't know how many times I watched my brother say something and he got smacked. And I, say, I said, this is not good. Do not go and do that likewise. The actions cause me to change my behavior. And here, when we look at this passage of Scripture, it should help us look at our behavior and make adjustments as necessary. So we're going to look at some things here that I think will be a help uh, in this. Uh, and so uh, look with me again at the text here. Look at verse number 11. This is where we're going to take the, uh, the text for the, the passage this morning. Bible says, and great fear came upon all the church and upon as many as heard these things. And this morning, I'm going to speak to you on the subject, great fear, great fear. 
And let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us today. Lord, you know our needs. And Lord, we have people that have been here saved for decades, serving you with their life. Others, this is all brand new. And I do pray that you would help each of us, no matter where we're at in our Christian journey. Uh, I pray that you would help us to grow. Uh, help us to recognize the responsibility that we have to you. And, and help us now, please, for Christ's sake, I pray. Amen. Great fear. And the church as an entity uh, in our society has been marginalized. In the last 30 years, uh, almost 30 years of ministry, I have watched it personally as church has sort of been pushed as uh, as almost a non-essential, uh, pushed as, uh, well, you know, take it or leave it, uh, doesn't really matter. And it has been marginalized. And unfortunately, it has been marginalized even by professing Christians. Uh, Brother Dustin and I were uh, were uh, connecting while he was uh, overseas, and uh, he had he had took he had taken a stand. Uh, he was going to do some things with some of the other airmen, uh, and then uh, come to find out they were wanting to, to to do it on Sunday. And he was he was like, "No, I got church on Sunday." And the other believers that were there were, "Well, that's not your church. That's not your community." What was it? You have no responsibility to a church. You know what? Christians have, were getting the wrong idea of the value of the house of God. And let me tell you, it is important. The house of God is important. The church is important. And, and you know what? As, as believers, we've got to make sure that we hold that importance because let me tell you, there's a next generation that's coming behind. And if there isn't anybody that is teaching that next generation the importance of the house of God, what we will find is those doors are going to close. And all across America, uh, doors are closing in churches because there is there are no children. There are no young families coming in. There are no uh, little ones that are around. And the, as, the, uh, as the membership gets older and as uh, just uh, life takes place and uh, they, they cease uh, to be down here on this earth and they go to heaven, then there's nobody to run that ministry. And those doors close and it's happening over and over and over again. Let me tell you, I, I don't want to see that happen here. We, but it, it will happen if the people of God don't sense and see the importance of the house of God. It is important. That's not the message. But here we, we have seen the marginalization of the TV preachers, then even with uh, the internet. And I am for every tool of getting the gospel out. And uh, there are people that are watching uh, our services all around the world. And we've had people in different countries watching our services. How in the world they found Bible Baptist Church, I do not know. Uh, but it is a blessing to know that God's word is going around the uh, country and around the world. And it's a tool but it's not a replacement. It's not a replacement for the, the house of God. And, uh, and, and so uh, with that, we, we have to sense the importance of it. Uh, but, but we see how the church has been marginalized. Uh, the, uh, the, the ease of church. There are people that are sitting here this morning that used to be here Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. But now I can just pop it up online. 
It's easy. Right? Now, I, under, I understand uh, as you're getting older that maybe driving in the dark makes a difference. I understand that. I understand our health, things change. And sometimes we can't do the things that we would like to do. Well, let me tell you, there is, there is a shift. You remember when remote controls came out? I remember when remote controls came out and they had a cord. Do you remember? They were hooked to the TV and they had like a 30-foot cord. And it was this big, long telephone cord-like thing that was, was a spiral and you'd pull it all the way back. And I remember thinking, how lazy does a person have to be that they can't get up and go change the channel? You remember that? When it was a dial that you had to actually turn? Some of you are looking at me like, nope, preacher, I don't remember that. Uh, and so, uh, but I remember that. Uh, and, and you could actually change the channel. Uh, I sort of imagine that that happens on Sunday morning. Oh, I don't like what he's saying. Let me change the channel. Where's that mute button? Let me find somebody who's going to talk about what I want to hear. You know what? If you're a member of Bible Baptist Church, God has given you a pastor right here. Amen. Sort of like, sort of like when, you're, when your wife cooks the food and you come home and say, well, I don't want what you have. I'm going to go somewhere else to somebody else's house to eat dinner. How's that work out? Doesn't work out too good, does it? I remember when we were first married. I would, I'd stop, I'd come home from work and I'd, I'd see, oh man, that burger shop looks good. I'd stop in, get a McDonald's, grab a hamburger, get home. She's got dinner on the table. She is so excited. I'm not hungry. You would think that it would have just taken once, but it's taken 35 years. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, I've gotten better. Now I just eat whether I'm hungry or not. Uh, not saying anything. Uh, but uh, having what's prepared. Let me tell you, God gives me something to prepare for you. And with that, we need to be, we need to be where we are that we can receive it. And then we need to realize that it's not the preacher, it's the Word of God. So, that's just introduction. We're not even getting to the message yet. All right, remember what I was talking about uh, being able to speak for an hour, hour and a half, two hours? Okay, uh, I've got 15 pages of, me of message this morning, uh, so we will not finish, uh, but I will, I will try to pack in uh, what I feel like the Lord wants us to have here. Uh, and so here this morning, as we look at this passage of Scripture, uh, we see that within the body, there was some sinful behavior that God was dealing with. Uh, and in this, He deals with it uh, in a very harsh way. Uh, and so uh, we, we need to look at it as believers uh, uh, so we can make sure that uh, we are uh, following his plan in our life. Look back again with me at verse number one, Acts chapter five, verse one. Uh, the Bible says, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession 
and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan uh, filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whiles it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart that thou, uh, he said, in thine heart, thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. I want you to see, first of all, that in this, uh, in this church, uh, with these believers that were being corrected, and their death was correction. It was correction. He said, well, that's awful harsh correction. Well, God is, the ju- is a just God. God is just. And maybe there was not another correction that would have fixed this couple. Maybe there had been many corrections prior to this, uh, and they had disregarded uh, God. But the Bible says they conceived this in their heart. Uh, I want you to see, first of all, that there was moral impurity. Moral impurity. He say, oh, preacher, it was just a lie. Moral impurity. You know, God cares about all sin. Yesterday, uh, Brother Cranston and I were out soul winning together and got to knock on a door of a man and a 37-year-old man uh, had the opportunity to go through the gospel and he trusted Christ as his personal savior. Uh, You know, you you start looking for people to share the gospel with. There are people that are looking for answers. And what a blessing. Uh, We got to see him saved. And uh, as we were going through, uh, we started dealing with sin and uh, how it's not just the big sins that we have to deal with. It's the little ones. You go to Revelation 21.8, but the fearful and the unbelieving and the uh, abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. What do we find here? We find from murderers uh, to people that don't believe in God all the way down to somebody who tells a lie. God says that sin all deserves the punishment of hell. And yet as Christians... We can be impure in our morals, telling lies all the way up to adultery. And we think, well, you know, this area doesn't matter. Let me tell you, they conceived this in their heart. They conceived it in their heart. Little sins lead to big sins. Little sins lead to big sins. This was, this was an event. You say, well, preacher, I mean, you start talking about immorality. We think you're going to talk about fornication and adultery. Yes, I will. But the reality is that, in, in, that moral impurity is also down to line. You know what? In the house of God, God's people need to be pure. The church will not be pure if God's people are not pure. Boy, it's quiet in here this morning. We have to recognize that there is is an expectation of God uh, on His people and on His church to represent Him. 
How many people will not come into a church because they knew a Christian who was wicked? They knew a Christian who who was living a double lifestyle. And their view of God has been skewed because of the behavior of God's people. Help us. Here in this church, we see that there was moral impurity. And we go through scripture, and, and we've, we have dealt with some of this uh, through scripture. But you go to uh, 1 Corinthians 5, and I won't go there this morning. Uh, but in 1 Corinthians 5, uh, you recognize, oh, there we go. He's already got it up there. Uh, you know, uh, not yet. Uh, we'll switch to that one. Uh, but uh, when we go to that chapter, uh, we find that there was immorality back in verse 1. And it goes through, and there was an expectation that the church was going to deal with the sin. Why? So things and so God's people would be pure. There's an expectation. You know, we see here that there was moral impurity in this church. Uh, Here, uh, God said, you have, Peter said, you have not lied to men, but unto God. It wasn't, it wasn't that he didn't lie to men. It wasn't that it was just the lie to the men wasn't what mattered. The lying to God is what mattered. And if we are right with God, we will also be right with man. Amen. You know, God doesn't, God doesn't want us to lie. Why? God's a holy God. And you can throw then, and and I'm using lying here because this would be the bottom of what we consider sin. The smallest of sin. God doesn't see that. God doesn't see it that way. God sees sin uh, as an affront against his holiness. And uh, and here uh, they lied. So Peter called Ananias out for this dishonesty. You know what, if I started calling people out in church for their dishonesty, we'd have two people in church. You know what people would say? Well, I just don't think the pastor should do that. You know why? Because we don't understand biblical principles. And we don't want to be next. Have you ever been among somebody that got called out and you were thinking to yourself, do they know? Are they going to call me out too? Here we find Ananias. He is addressing this. Uh, and as he is addressing this, uh, we see the, uh, that how he, is, he has judged uh, this individual and what has gone on. Uh, and people, people go, well, I just don't think the pastor should do that. And boy, that church is just so judgmental. You know, the only verse that some people know in the Bible is Matthew 7, 1. Judge not, lest you be judged. And the context has nothing to do with about judging what is right and wrong. And it has to do with being a Pharisee. 
and not dealing with your own stuff and having a lot of issues in your own life and then trying to nitpick somebody else's. You know, as a Christian, there is judgment that's expected. Peter here is judging uh, what was going on. Uh, He deals with that. Uh, And so as a believer, uh, our character inside and out matters. Our morality matters. Uh, The church is to be holy and the church is to be as holy, can only be as holy as the members of the church is holy. And so uh, with that, uh, be ye holy, the Lord told told, uh, his people. So we see, first of all, that there is moral impurity. Secondly, I want you to see there is financial impurity. There was dishonesty here with the resources. He said in uh, verse one, verse two, he said, and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Uh, And so uh, we see here, and then a little bit later in the verses, we see how uh, Sapphira comes in and Peter addresses this again and asks uh, her whether or not they sold the land for so much. uh, And whether this was was a one-time offering, whether this was a gift, uh, whether it was a pledge or a vow, uh, whether it was tithes, I believe it was a, uh, the Bible doesn't really tell us, uh, I believe that it was a special offering, a special gift uh, that was to be given or that they said they were going to give. But regardless, uh, this uh, this, uh, uh, gift, it was between, it was not between them and the church, it was between them and God. Now, our giving to the church is our giving to God. That's how it works. And not saying that you can't give to other things, but uh, the the reality is there is the giving uh, here. And this giving of uh, the believer uh, to the church uh, was uh, what was being addressed and the lack of uh, what was brought in. Uh, They had robbed God. Uh, Peter said in verse number nine uh, of Acts five, he said, Peter said unto her, how is it that you have agreed together to tempt the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband or at the door and shall carry thee out. Oh, what happened? They didn't rob the church. They robbed God. But yet that was still being addressed at church. And here that judgment came. So there was, there was a, there was um, moral impurity. There was financial impurity. But I want you to see, lastly, there was spiritual impurity. Impurity. Spiritual impurity. Look at verse 4. Whiles it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. You know, this this man and this, his wife, they chose to lie to God. But let's break it down. They weren't looking at God. They weren't looking up to heaven saying, God, we're going to lie to you. What did they do? 
They lied to the preacher. They lied to the church. And God said, you lied to God. You have not lied unto men, but unto God. You see, it's how the Lord received that. Spiritual impurity. Spiritually, we need to be pure. We need to recognize that our morals, uh, our, our get every aspect of the Christian life, we have got to be holy. And all of this, we see this uh, response. Uh, there is moral impurity. There is financial impurity. And what it did was it revealed that there was spiritual impurity. The spiritual impurity was already there. That's why they lied to God. You know, our actions reveal what was already there in our heart. Everything keeps coming back to why did you conceive in your heart? Before you ever act, you think. Before we do it, we, we have thought it. And we, we have to guard that, that spiritual impurity. And so all of this, we see that there was a response from the church based on the actions of these individuals, uh, members of this church. And so with that, that's all. That's all. Uh, now we're going to start to get to the message. And I am watching the clock. There's a big clock back here on this wall. I don't pay attention to it, but there's, uh, I, I do see that there's one there. Uh, so uh, with all of this, though, we see that there's a response that the church should have. Uh, number one, we are accountable to God. Every one of us is accountable to God. We're accountable. And we need to realize that. We need to realize the accountability uh, that we have before God. But secondly, I want you to see we are accountable to one another. We're accountable to one another. Uh, we are accountable to each other as believers, as members of the body of the church. Our behavior impacts the church. Our behavior, our sin impacts and affects the whole body. It's amazing how people can live a life so different here than they do when they get out in the world. And I know we're all sinners. We have a sin nature. But that's not a pass to sin. I've talked to men that have struggled with immorality. And there, as I, as I address it, I've had, I've had them look me in the face. Well, we're, we're men. That's just how we are. That's a cop out. If the spirit of God dwells within you, you can be holy. Amen. Don't give ourselves a pass for sin. 
And here, the church, we have a responsibility to God. Uh, our sin impacts our relationship with God, but it also impacts uh, the whole body, the church. Uh, this accountability will help keep the checks and balances in place. You know what? We need to hold each other accountable. Somebody's going the wrong direction. Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. Hey, hey, this, this isn't right. You're setting yourself up to go down a path that is destructive. Let's, let's deal with that. You see, here we see that there is a, uh, there was accountability there. Uh, if, if you're a part of this body of believers, uh, you should welcome accountability. You should welcome accountability. Why? Because it helps keep us where we need to be. You know, when people aren't listening to church and they're just playing on their phone, there's a problem. You know what they're saying? I don't need what you got. If you're, if you're looking for scripture on your phone, that's one thing. You're playing on, the, playing on a phone, playing a game, that's a different thing. What are we saying? We're not, we're not listening. And the result is that we start seeing the outcome of it. It comes out. It reveals itself. Our, our moral conduct, uh, we have to recognize that we are accountable uh, to the body of the church in our moral conduct, both public and private, in our financial conduct, honesty in our giving, our stewardship, paying our bills. There's, there's an importance uh, that God's people are honest. We represent God. And then in our spiritual conduct, every aspect of our life. Now, what is the, what is the result of this accountability? What is the result of dealing with things and holding people accountable so things can be made right? Here we see that there were two people that died. What's, what's the result of this accountability? Look at verse number five. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And what are those next two words? Great fear came upon all the church and upon as, as many as heard these things. See, sinful behavior reveals that there is no real fear of God. Because if we really believed that God was watching, we would not engage. You look at verse 11, and great fear came upon all the church and is upon as many as heard these things. So now, not only was there impact within the church, then all of a sudden, there was a fear of God that came to other people that weren't even a part of that church, and it impacted them. Why? Because there was accountability before God. Accountability. 
And the result, though, uh, was that uh, we see that some things happen uh, as a result. Uh, Verse 12, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, and the rest, there's no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them, and believers were the more added to the Lord, both uh, multitudes, both of men and women. You know what happens when God, when sin is dealt with within the body? Uh, you see that God works in and through his church. And you know what happened? Uh, the believers were first unified, uh, and then they magnified uh, the apostles, the preachers, the word of God was uh, magnified. And then you see that the people multiplied. Multiplied. You know what? Accountability is vital. We need it. We all need it. And as a church, we need to recognize that our actions outside these walls impact this entire body of believers. It impacts not just you, it impacts your church. It impacts the testimony of Christ. And we should live in a way that brings honor and glory to God, not in such a way that would drag the name of Christ through the mud. Great fear. The fear of God will keep you from doing that which you know is wrong when you would rather sin. The fear of God will keep you from doing that which you know is wrong when you would rather sin. You know what happened? This church had some things going on. God dealt with the sin. And then the result of that, blessings came. You know, we need to keep short accounts with God. Preacher, it's just a lie. Deal with it. Well, I just didn't pay this bill. Deal with it. I'm allowing immoral things to become a part of my life. Deal with it. We've got to be holy. And in doing so, what do we find is the church is blessed. You know what? As we live according to the principles of the word of God, our life is blessed. You know, we don't, we're not missing out on anything when, that the world does. I mean, the sin, the devil makes it out like it's all wonderful. Oh, it's bondage. It's destructive. You want your marriage to be what it needs to be? Make sure you keep short accounts with God. You live according to the principles of the word of God. It will bless you personally. It'll bless your marriage. It'll bless your children. It'll bless every aspect of your life. And then God will use you as well to accomplish something for him. You know, as a church, we need to make sure that we have great fear. A great respect. A great reverence for who God is. And as I keep him in that place of reverence, that fear of God, it will impact how I live. 
When we live in a way contrary to the Word of God, we just reveal that there is no fear. And God had to do something drastic to bring great fear to this local church. Let's not allow that to be the case here. Child of God, deal, deal with the sins. Small, big, say, preacher, I, I'm, I'm doing okay. You deal with the things that are going on in your life. There is something that we all struggle with. Don't lie to yourself. And then as we endeavor to live that life that God would want us to live, what do we find? That there's blessings all along the way. Great fear. Father, I pray that you'd help us this morning. Thank you for just the Word of God and uh, just the truths and principles that we can glean from it. And so I pray that you'd help us this morning, each and every one. And Lord, as I look out, there are people that are guests with us this morning, uh, some that are just uh, brand new uh, families that just joined the church. And uh, then, Lord, people that have been here for decades. And I do pray that all of us uh, would just look into our own life and may the Spirit of God uh, grow us, mature us, help us uh, to recognize the place of having the fear of God uh, in our lives. And so I pray that you'd bless now, please. Speak to hearts as only you can, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc 4 me Org. That's BBC, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.